What's up, everybody? Happy New Year, and welcome to Anime Baby. I'm your host, Baby New Year Mikey, or rather, Baby New Year. And you might have noticed I'm flying solo for this one. And the reason being is this is more of a spur-of-the-moment sort of thing. I didn't plan this to be a regular episode, but I thought, meh, screw it, why not? So on this episode, I'll be going through my top 10 favorite anime of 2018. But first, some rules to lay out. I will not be including any continuing anime, so no long-running shonen, second or third seasons of shows, etc, etc. This is strictly standalone anime that began airing in 2018. This list is meant to represent my personal favorites, anime from this past year that I got the most entertainment and enjoyment out of. This isn't me saying these are definitely the best of the best, this is just my personal opinion. And if there's an anime you like not on this list, it's nothing personal, it's probably just because it didn't entertain me as much as it did you, or most likely it just flew under the radar for me and I haven't seen it. If that's the case, feel free to toss some recommendations my way. So with all that out of the way, this is my top 10 favorite anime of 2018, so without further ado, let's start the show. Number 10. Darling in the Franks. Now hold on, I know what you're thinking, so before you turn off this podcast in disgust, please just hear me out. I think Darling in the Franks is fine. I just want to lay that out for you right now. It's not a horrible sin against nature that should be burned at the stake for its crimes. Franks is fine. Let me start from the beginning. The story takes place in a dystopian future where humanity is on the brink of extinction as they are constantly threatened by creatures known as Klaxosaurs. The only way to combat these Klaxosaurs is through teenagers in boy-girl pairs piloting giant fighting robots. Because it's a mech anime, of course it has to be teens and robots. 
One teen in particular is a boy named Hiro who has a trouble piloting these robots, also known as Franks, until one day he meets a mysterious girl named Zero Two. Despite many resistance from others, including his own teammates and friends, Hiro is successfully able to pilot Franks with Zero Two, and the two are paired up as they lead the charge against the monsters that threaten humanity. Let's get some of the negatives out of the way first, because it's definitely not without its faults. Since the main focus of the show is one of relationships, there are plenty of sexual references and innuendos in the show. While some do get laughs out of me, mostly due to how on the nose they are, and I can even admit that they can get a little eye-rolly. Though thankfully after a few episodes or so in the beginning, they stopped doing them, so that's for good, at least. Another thing admittedly is the overall writing at times can get a tad problematic, and while I think that it wasn't their intention, at least I hope it wasn't, I can see why people can be turned off by certain moments in the show. Also, the storytelling in the second half of the show takes a bit of a dip compared to the first. Thankfully, as far as the dub goes, they definitely clean up some of the issues with the show's overall writing. And on the subject of the dub, what a dub it is. Everyone delivers an absolute whopper performance, with standouts being Tia Ballard as Zero Two and Matt Shipman as Hiro. Tia Ballard is an incredible actress to begin with, and I would say her performance as Zero Two will go down as one of her best anime roles, period. As for Matt Shipman as Hiro, this is actually my personal introduction to him as an actor. I know he's done plenty of voice work in anime in the many years before this, but Frank's is the first show he's in that I've sat down and watched, and I really dug the hell out of him. Since then, I've heard him in more anime, and he's kind of become one of my boys as far as VAs go. Like I said, the rest of the cast is really good too. Credit to director Clifford Chapin for putting together an excellent cast to bring these characters to life, so can I coke to you, bro? Speaking of the characters, I would say the main cast of Squad 13 is the biggest highlight of the series. I found these kids to be really likable with their camaraderie along with their us-versus-the-world mentality they take on. And as the series went on, I just grew to love them more and more. Especially best girl Ichigo. By the way, Ichigo did nothing wrong, nobody be mean to the strawberry. As for the animation, Frank's is a really good-looking show, and it especially shines during the action scenes. Thank you, Studio Trigger. Overall, is Frank's perfect? No, it's not, but by no means it's the worst thing ever. Their mileage may vary on the show, but I would say it's not worth getting super heated about it and, say, having a meltdown online because of it. I found it to be very enjoyable throughout its highs, lows, and creamy middles after 24 weeks or so of watching this when it aired, and by the time it ended, I felt very satisfied and was happy with the overall product. So could it have been better? Yes. Did it have missed opportunities? Oh yes. But did I still like it? Yes. 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 Like I said at the start, Frank's is fine. I would go as far as to say, it's even darling. Number 9. <laughs> Teasing Master Takagi-san If you want a sweet anime that's just brimming with adorability, then Takagi-san has you covered and then some. The story follows a middle school boy named Nishikata whose everyday life is filled with endless teasing from his classmate, a girl named Takagi. Nishikata goes through many attempts to get her back, but they always end up blowing up in his face. 
As for why Takagi constantly teases him, it's pretty simple, she likes Nishikata and just wants to spend any time she can with him. Like I said, what a sweet show. The interactions between Takagi and Nishikata are incredibly cute and as they just make a wonderful pair. Takagi's teasing and pranks never come off as mean or bullying and it's always just playful ripping. She doesn't want to hurt Nishikata, she just likes seeing him with egg on his face. Same goes for Nishikata as while he gets annoyed with her teasing, he doesn't hate Takagi and the two are often hanging out doing things together like walking home together or riding bikes. Takagi enjoys Nishikata's company and he enjoys hers as well even though he won't admit it or doesn't actually realize it. There's a moment in particular near the end between the two that I absolutely love. I won't spoil it, but trust me when I say it'll turn you into a pile of mush, it's just that cute. The pranks in the show are great as it's just amazing to see Nishikata come up with foolproof plans to get Kakagi only for her to masterfully, probably through some Sherlock Holmes style deductions and planning, to turn it around on Nishikata. She does it so well it's almost scary. Also, special shout out to the English dub as Sarah Wiedenhef and Aaron Dismuke are delightful as Takagi and Nishikata respectively. Simply put, it's cute and I'm glad I watched it. Also, it's been announced that it will indeed get a second season, so I'm looking forward to seeing more of this teasing master in the future. Number 8. Pop Team Epic. What can I say about Pop Team Epic? No, seriously, what can I say about Pop Team Epic? The story, if you can call it that, revolves around two high school girls, Popco and Peepimi, as they do all kinds of crazy shit. Such as, but not limited to, interrupting a fake idol anime for their own show, competing in a skeleton race that turns into a cross between cool runnings and wacky races, Popco becoming a literal mass-produced idol, Popco and Peepimi becoming Yakuza, who take down people for their YouTube crimes, putting on stop-motion music videos, and all other kinds of off-the-wall nonsense. Before the series got an anime, I would randomly see bits of the four-panel gag manga it's based on, and I couldn't make heads or tails of it. So when it got an anime, I decided to give it a shot, and at the end of the first episode's insanity, I was completely sold. Then the episode played again with different actors in the lead roles, and I was even more sold. One of the show's main hooks is that in every episode, Popco and Peepimi are played by different actors, and that the episode plays twice back-to-back. So in the first half, they're played by women, and in the second half, the episode airs again, but this time they're played by men. Another thing is that each segment of every episode is done by a different animation team, so you get to see a different studio's take on the material. The weirdest interpretation being the Bob Epic Team segments done by AC. 
I wasn't a fan of their skits at first, but they began to grow on me, they really did. I grew to like them more and more as the series went on and just loved them every time they came up. Me continuing to talk about Pop Team Epic doesn't really do it justice. It's something you have to experience just for yourself. Just be ready for anything, and I mean anything. Also, uh, sorry I lost my train of thought. I was too busy thinking about Hellshake Yano. Number 7 Laid-Back Camp Need something a little more comfy-cozy? Then look no further as Laid-Back Camp is the anime for you. A very simple premise as it's about Rin Shima, a quiet girl who loves camping by herself. One night during one of her camping trips, she meets an energetic girl named Nadeshko Kagamihara who's inspired by Rin to start camping too. Laid-Back Camp is for sure one of the chillest shows I've seen this year. I've always seen Slice of Life anime as very soothing and relaxing, and this show is all that and more. It's one of the shows that leaves you feeling all warm and fuzzy on the inside, but also a little sad because once you finish an episode, you have to wait for the next one. The series is one where once I start an episode, I just never want it to end. What adds to the charm of the show is the super cute cast of characters. They're just so sweet it hurts, I just want to see Reen and Nadeshko go camping together forever. Also, I should mention this is one of the few shows on this list that doesn't have a dub, and I feel that's a damn shame it doesn't. Even more of a shame since Funimation and Crunchyroll's partnership is over, which means Laid Back Camp might not ever get a dub. It's just... it's just really sad. But, on a lighter note, it's been announced that the series will be getting another season, as well as a film, so I look forward to more camping adventures with these girls in the future. Also, I look forward to hopefully more Jackson 5-esque openings. Number 6 Dragon Pilot, Hisune, and Masotan the one Netflix contribution to the list is the newest series from the legendary Studio Bones. 
Dragon Pilot follows Hisune Amakatsu, who enlists in the Japanese Air Self-Defense Force as she sees this job as the best way of distancing herself from others. You see, she has a slight problem with unintentionally speaking her mind which causes her to come off as rude when she even has no hard feelings. During her time at Gifu Air Base, she comes across a dragon. In this world, dragons are often targeted by some humans due to their immense powers, so they ally themselves with select humans in order to hide and protect themselves. This has been going on throughout history and has now reached the point where the dragons are now disguised as fighter planes. And Hisune herself has been chosen to join the ranks of the dragon pilots and is tasked with piloting and forming a bond with a dragon she met named Masotan. First things first, I'll give you a moment to make an obvious how to train your dragon joke. Okay, you done? Great. Anyway, this is a series that nearly flew under the radar for me due to it being a Netflix exclusive. In Japan, the show began airing in April, but didn't see any distribution in the States here until September, and it didn't help that Netflix still doesn't really know how to promote their anime, see Seven Deadly Sins and Little Witch Academia for examples. Luckily, the cast of the English dub knew how to put over this show, and soon enough I checked it out and never looked back. As I mentioned before, this show is produced by Studio Bones, and like with most shows they produce, this one is absolutely gorgeous. This is probably one of the best looking new animes I've seen this past year, and it especially shines during the actual piloting scenes. The show has some incredibly breathtaking scenery, and you just get the sense of wonder as you see these dragons flying majestically through the air. Other than the animation, I would say one of the strongest aspects of Dragon Pilot is the relationships between the dragons and their pilots. Of course, there's the main relationship between Hisune and Masutan, as you see her going from being reluctant to piloting him, to earning his trust and love by the show's end. I also really love the other Deepai dragon relationships, such as Hitomi and her dragon Futomomo. She's a total mama bear to her dragon, and I just love seeing her gush about him, almost treating him like a, as if he's her baby. Though, as for my favorite relationship, that, it would have to be the, that of Hoshino and her dragon Norma. Without spoiling the details, I just love how she goes from being cold and uncaring towards her dragon to growing to love him like the others love theirs. As for the English dub, it's great of course, but, you know, what else is new? And once again, it's thanks to the cast for doing better promotion for the show than Netflix ever did that I even watched it in the first place. I can go on and on, but I'll just simplify it with this. Dragon Pilot's great, please watch it. It needs more love. So we're at the halfway point of the list, so right now I'm going to take a short break and I'll be right back with my top 5.
Idol Mania, an event that showcases the very best Love Live Wrestling has to offer. But there is one match that every idol dreams of. The main event. Only the idols who are proven to be the best of the best can receive such an opportunity. This year, 30 idols will compete for a chance to make that dream a reality. First ever Love Live Rumble. Two idols begin the match, then every 90 seconds another idol will enter. This will continue until all 30 idols have entered the match. The goal of the match is to eliminate your opponents by throwing them over the top rope with both feet hitting the floor. The last idol standing will compete in the main event of Idol Mania for the Love Live Championship. One idol, one dream, one chance to go down. A legend. It's the Love Live Rumble, streaming live on the Love Live Wrestling Network. As always, the first month is free for new subscribers. We are Love Live Wrestling. And I'm back, but before I get to the top 5, I want to give special mention to some of the anime that aired their second or third seasons this past year. Of course, there's Fooly Cooly Progressive and Alternative, which Ryan and I already covered on Anime Bay Bay for our first episode, which you should totally check out if you haven't already. Uh, needless to say, I thought they were both great, but if you want a more uh, detailed explanation, then go ahead and watch that episode. Also getting a continuation this past year was Cardcaptor Sakura, as they adapted the new Clear Card arc 18 years after the end of the original anime. Funny thing is, when it started, I hadn't actually seen any of the original anime, so with this new season, I decided to now was the time. I would go on to marathon the original Cardcaptor Sakura in the span of a month and a half, and I freaking loved it. I can't believe it took me so long to finally watch it. As for Clear Card itself, it's kind of a mixed bag, but for the most part, it's still good old Cardcaptor's fun. The ending left a lot to be desired though, but I've heard rumblings that it might be continuing, which is good if true. But on the bright side, Clear Card is what gave me the motivation to get into Card Capture Sakura in the first place, and I can appreciate it for that. Of course, there's Attack on Titan getting its third season, and luckily we didn't have to wait a few years after season 2 for this one. The biggest thing coming out of this season is we finally get to see Historia's full backstory, and we get to see her complete the transformation from sweet, innocent angel from above Krista into the give-no-fucks, stone-cold Historia. The real Historia. She basically became the Attack on Titan equivalent of Becky Lynch, and it was glorious. And of course, because it's me, I have to mention how in the dub she was played brilliantly by the one and only Bryn April. Whoop whoop! I should mention that only the first half of Season 3 aired in 2018, but thankfully the second half is coming up in April, so we don't have to wait too long until the Titans are once again upon us. Another anime getting its third season in 2018 was My Hero Academia, and what a third season it was. When it comes to My Hero Academia, I feel that this show just gets better and better with each new season. 
This season gets off to an incredibly hot start and it just keeps the momentum rolling for the rest of the season. For an anime to do that is one thing, but this is a long-running shonen series, so you think that it would cool down for a bit until it picks up again, but nope, my hero took the ball and is still running with it. The series continues to impress me, and I'm sure it'll continue to do so come Season 4, and then in Season 5, then Season 6, Season 7, 8, 9, 10. But I would have to say, out of all the continuing seasons that aired in 2018, none can compare to that of Steins Gate Zero. For those of you who don't know, my favorite anime of all time is Steins Gate, so when I heard that it was getting another season, I was jazzed like no other, because it's more Steins Gate, why wouldn't I be hyped? Though I was a little worried that it wouldn't live up to the expectations and that it would pale in comparison to the original. Oh how wrong I was to be worried, as I feel Steins Gate Zero surpassed the original anime and then some. I wish I could go into more detail, but I don't want to spoil those who haven't seen any Steins Gate, as this series is one you need to go in clean for. Do yourself a favor and get busy with Steins Gizzy. Yeah, that sounded better in my head. Oh, and I almost forgot JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 5 started airing near the end of 2018. It's JoJo, what more do you want? If you're down with JoJo, then you should already know this by now. Anyway, back to the list and on to the top 5. Number 5 Double Decker, from some of the same folks that brought you Tiger and Bunny, as well as the director of Interviews with Monster Girls, it's the buddy cop comedy Double Decker. This series follows the escapades of rookie cop Kirill Rubel and his aloof veteran partner Doug Billingham as they, along with the rest of the criminal investigation group called 7-0, try to crack down on the use of an illegal drug known as Anthem. I, along with my co-host Ryan, am a huge fan of Tiger and Bunny and have been dying for anything new from this series ever since it came to an end. I was excited to hear that a new Tiger and Bunny project was in the works, though I was surprised that this wasn't a continuation necessarily. I still gave it a watch and was sold almost immediately. Like with Tiger and Bunny, Double Decker is a comedy first and foremost, and damn if it isn't one of the funniest shows I've seen this year. Practically every episode got huge laughs out of me, mostly through playing off tropes you commonly see in cop shows. Similar to how Tiger and Bunny's humor comes from the stuff you'd see in superhero comics. And this show's comedy is nothing without its great cast of colorful characters. Of course, there's Doug and Krill themselves, by the way, Krill's best boy, whose relationship I can compare to Kotetsu and Barnaby from Tiger and Bunny, but reversed as Doug is the competent vet while Krill is the impulsive rookie instead of the other way around. There's also the fierce Deanna and her by-the-books partner Kay, as well as the rough-and-tumble tomboy Max and her partner Yuri, who just so happens to be a robot. But keep that secret, though. Actually, not really. 
only criticism I can really give to the show is its use of CGI can be kind of hit or miss, but I don't really mind since I'm mostly kind of used to it since Studio Sunrise has done this before with their other shows like Tiger and Bunny or even Love Live. As for the English dub, it's directed by Mike McFarland, and as far as I'm concerned, this guy's got the Midas touch when it comes to anime dubs, as everything he touches just turns to gold. Standouts, of course, being the actors behind Doug and Kirill themselves, Ian Sinclair and Micah Solisat, respectively. Micah's so incredibly enjoyable as Kirill, as he really gets over how bright and excitable and pretty dopey the character can be. And I really dig Ian as Doug, as he's just so good at playing just about everything straight, despite all the hijinks that's been going on throughout the entire series. It kind of reminds me a bit of uh, Leslie Nielsen in The Naked Gun and Police Squad. They're just so... so many wacky things, and he's just so very straight-laced and straightforward. It's, it's just really great, I think. Double Decker is said to be the first part in a bigger Tiger and Bunny project, as in the coming months at the time of this recording, there will be three extra ep episodes, and I know I'm down for seeing more of these two buddies fighting crime for as long as possible. And also, here's hoping this leads to a greater connection with the superhero series that started it all, someday in the future. Number four. Place further than the universe. In my time of being an anime fan, there's always been that one type of anime that I've always been drawn to for the longest time. That being the cute girls doing cute things kind of anime. You all know what I'm talking about, from the Lucky Stars, to the Azamanga Dayos, to your Kaons, and so on and so forth. But this past year, there was a cute girls anime that not only raised the bar, but is now THE bar. Sorry, Seamus and Sorrow. That being a place further than the universe. This series follows Mari Tamaki, aka Kimari, as midway through her high school life, she laments on how she has yet to do anything of note during this time. One day, she comes across Shirase Kobuchizawa and finds out that she desperately wants to take a trip to Antarctica as her mother went missing there during an expedition, so she wants to see if she can find anything relating to her disappearance. Kimari is motivated by Shirase's goal and decides she's going to go with her to Antarctica too. Along the way, they're joined by Hinata Miyake and Yuzuki Shiraishi as they travel with them to the Antarctic. What a beautiful show! Visually, next to Dragon Pilot, this is one of the most wonderfully animated shows from this past year. The show was just so pretty to look at from moment one all the way to the very end. Who knew the vast wide open Arctic could be so gorgeous? Also, this is an anime that's so emotionally beautiful. You follow these girls' journeys and see how they go from being strangers to each other all the way to forming these unbreakable bonds. 
The big thing I love from these cute girls doing cute things shows is the relationship between the characters, and this show I feel has the strongest I've ever seen, or will ever see for that matter. Throughout this journey with these girls, there's all sorts of heartbreak and triumph and they all end up stronger because of it. And of course, there's plenty of tears to be shed when watching the show. In particular, a certain moment involving a laptop. Uh, that's all I'll say about that, but seriously, that moment got me. Like I said before, I now consider this the bar when it comes to cute girls doing cute things anime. And for any future anime in this genre, be warned, because this is going to be a tough act to follow. Number 3 SSSS Gridman One studio trigger mech anime ain't enough, we need two! So after starting the year off with Franks, they close it out with Gridman! Based on a 1993 tokusatsu series called Gridman the Hyper Agent, which was brought over to the West under the title Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad, which is where the SSSS comes from, this series follows Yuta Hibiki, a boy with no memories who comes in contact with Gridman and joins forces with him in order to protect the city from kaiju sent to attack by the mysterious Akane Shinjo. While I enjoy Darling in the Franks, even I'll say Gridman completely blew it out of the water. Just wow, what a show. As far as trigger shows go, I'll rank this up there with Little Witch Academia and Kill a Kill, it's just that good. The biggest highlight of the show is of course the action scenes where Gridman springs into action to fight off the kaiju that's attacking the city that episode, and it just looks incredible. Not only just for seeing Gridman firing off attacks and doing moves that'll make you pump your fist in the air going hell yeah, also for the general animation of each kaiju. Studio Trigger captured that look and feel of a classic tokusatsu series or even a Toho film through the movements and looks of each kaiju, all without having to build model sets or pay minimum wage stunt actors to wear a rubber suit. That's not the only nod to classic tokusatsu shows, as this series is filled to the brim with them, but they're subtle enough where if you don't get the reference, it doesn't take you out of the moment. Though if you do get it, then it's just simply icing on this awesome giant fighting robot cake. On the subject of the English dub, once again, Clifford Chapin is in the director's chair of his second Trigger show after Frank's. And once again, he does a bang-up job. The entire cast is perfect, with the likes of Brandon McInnes as Yuta, Jill Harris as Rika, <coughs> best girl, <coughs> and Lizzie Seidel as Akane, who I would probably say is the MVP of the dub as she delivers an amazing performance. Of course, there's Rob McCullum just being incredible as Gridman himself. And once again, can of coke to Cliff for having Rob swing around actual Samurai Cyber Squad toys from Cliff's own personal collection, no less, while recording Gridman's attacks. That's some love right there, man, I tell ya. In short, Gridman's great, so don't be a numpty and watch it if you haven't already.
Zombie Land Saga. Love Life, take a seat. Idol Master, get fucked. Wake Up Girls, yeah, who? And every other idol anime out there, stand back and feast your eyes on the newest big dog in the world of idol anime. This is Zombie Land Saga, baby. Bask in its glory. The show follows Sagara Minamoto, starting off her day by introducing herself to the front end of a truck and dying, only to be resurrected as a zombie to join other zombies from different eras to form an idol group in order to save the Saga Prefecture. Think Love Live crossed with Sakura Quest as directed by George A. Romero. I remember when I first heard about this show, I thought it was going to be some kind of survival horror series involving idols getting into Resident Evil or House of the Dead style situations. And boy how wrong I was. After checking out the first couple of episodes out of curiosity and after hearing good things from others, I fell in love with the show. I was like Barney from The Simpsons. Just hook it to my veins! Like with any good idol anime, the two big things you need to have is great music and a great cast of characters, and Zombieland Saga has those in spades. The songs in the show are unbelievably catchy. After just hearing them once, I find myself humming these songs to myself in my everyday life. And luckily for me and every other fan of the show, the songs are slowly coming to iTunes so I can buy them and own them and listen to them forever. As for the cast, this is probably one of the most downright lovable group of idols since Love Live. And if you know me personally, you know how much I love my Love Live girls. Words cannot even begin to describe how much I love these girls and how much I want to see them succeed. Though if you want me to pick a favorite, it's I Mizuno all the way. She's simply the best in the world at everything she does and also played in the dub by the phenomenal Rin April. Whoop whoop! And since I mentioned the dub, this dub is just awesome on all fronts, and while I love all the performances in the show, especially Rin as I, I would have to say the true standout is Riko Fajardo as Kotaro Tatsumi. Holy shit is he incredible, his performance gives the original Seiyu a run for his money, and Kotaro in Japanese is nothing to scoff at, so good stuff there Riko. Only downside to the dub is due to the simuldub scheduling, they couldn't adapt or dub any of the songs, but this is no surprise as this was the case for any simuldub of any other musical show Funimation did, like Show by Rock or Fuka, for examples. Thankfully, they should be able to dub the songs for the future home video release, and I have no doubt in my mind that they'll knock it out of the park. And I also have no doubt in my mind that while this show may have ended, we're definitely going to be seeing more of these Zambambo idols in the future.
Before I get to my number one anime of 2018, I just want to give some quick honorable mentions to some of the other anime I watched this past year and others I've just recently started. One of which is Chio School Road, a very fun, hilarious show that's simply about a girl walking to school. I really like Chio, and as she's just this huge dork girl who, who somehow ends up walking into some of the craziest situations that only get crazier as the show goes on, and she just has some of the funniest reactions to them, like they really make the show. Definitely one of the bright spots during an otherwise dull summer season. Another bright spot from the dull summer was a perfectly fitting beach volleyball anime called Harukana Receive. A very nice summertime show and a good sports anime that's kind of similar to Yuri on Ice in a way. You know that whole thing where a character is good at sport, they lose their smile, someone comes into their lives and they rekindle that love for that sport and they form an unbreakable bond. And the actual volleyball matches get pretty intense to the point where I internally chant, FIGHT FOREVER! So it's a, it's a really nice summery show that uh, really brightened up the dull summer season. Oh, another big show from uh, this past year is Horse Girls, otherwise known as Uma Musume. Another idol anime with a weird premise that somehow works. Horse girls compete in races and then have big concerts afterwards if they win. It's it's just so super ridiculous, and I'm sure many of you already know that. And yet, somehow, it works. It just really works. It makes you think, like, God, what other kind of idol shows can they do in the future? Like, they've done horses, they've done zombies, like, what's next? Like, seriously, I can't, I can't wait to see, like, what they think of next. Oh, another uh, Netflix show that aired this past year that really caught my eye was Agretzko. This show would totally be in my top 10 this year if it wasn't so stacked from top to bottom. It's cute, fun, incredibly relatable, and filled to the brim with some great heavy metal music. But I'm sure you already knew that. And luckily, a second season has been announced and is currently in the works. It's coming in 2019, so I'm looking forward to that. Also this year, I started watching some shows that I really wish I started watching when they were airing. First up is Megalobox. Like, I've heard nothing but good things when it came out, even though I don't know much about Ashita no Joe, but uh, with this series, you don't really need to know that. You can just, like, jump on in, and it's just really good for you. Thankfully, it's currently airing on Toonami, and while I'm only a few episodes into it, at this point, I'm just enjoying every second of it, and I can't wait to see how the rest of it turns out. And last but certainly not least is Mr. Tonagawa, another anime I started late into the year. Like, with Megalobox, I'm really enjoying it. Also, I'm watching it through the English dub, and I just gotta mention uh, David Wald as the narrator, as he is just freaking amazing. It's just, his performance is what honestly sold me on the show in the first place, and I'm looking to see more. I'm only a few episodes into it, but I'm really loving it so far. And now, my number one favorite anime of 2018 is... Bloom into you. In an anime year filled with giant fighting robots, absurdist comedies, coming of age journeys, horse girls, zombie girls, time travel, superheroes, super cops, and much, much more, the one anime that stood out above the crowd, I'm sure it even had to shout out loud, is this wonderful, beautiful, delightful story about love. The story follows Yu Koito, a girl who's always loved shoujo manga and often dreamed about receiving a confession of love. At the end of middle school, a boy does confess his feelings for her, but nothing. She felt absolutely nothing. She entered high school not knowing why she felt that way, why she's so disappointed and confused about that. 
Then she meets Toko Nanami, student council president. After seeing her elegantly turn down a love confession of her own, Yu decides she wants to get to know Toko in the hopes that she can help her with the problem only to receive another confessional of love, this time from Toko herself. I'm a sucker for really good romance in anime, and throughout the years I've seen my fair share of good ones, but when it comes to blooming to you, I feel this one definitely takes the cake. For any good love story, it all stems from having a good potential couple, having plenty of cute interactions, a good amount of will-they-won't-they they moments, and simply just being a great pair that you'd love to see together. This show has all that and more, but when it comes to you and Toko, it's a bit more complicated than that. You want to see them get together not only because they'd make a cute couple, but you want to see them get together because they just need to be together. They need each other. You and Toko need each other more than anything else in the world, and their lives would be worse off if they didn't hook up. Some romances have pairings where if they don't get together, then it's disappointing, but not the end of the world. But if you and Toko don't get together, it might as well be compared to the end of the world, at least for them. The big theme of this series is one of identity, discovering who you really are and breaking certain expectations others have of you, or even expectations you have for yourself. You and Toko need each other so that they can truly discover that within themselves. Also, with this being a Yuri anime, I have to commend this show on its exceptionally positive portrayal of same-sex relationships. At one point, going as far as to debunk the bullshit it's just a phase perception. As someone who personally identifies as bi, I can appreciate this and love to see more wholesome shows do stuff like this in the future. Now to mention the English dub as the dub comes to us from Sentai Filmworks of all places. Yeah, the same Sentai Filmworks that for years has been only known as simply the other dubbing company in Texas or that one company with less than stellar dubs. Though over the past few years or so, Sentai's dub work has been improving immensely. And now that they've gotten themselves into the simuldub scene, they've now had the opportunity to show how good they've gotten. And Blue Into You is a great example of this, as I would say this is their best dub in ages. A huge amount of credit goes to director David Walter putting together an amazing cast, in addition to the incredible script adaptation from Marissa Lenti. The biggest standouts, of course, are the actors behind our two leads, Tia Ballard and Lucy Christian, giving sensational performances as you and Toko, respectively. Huh, I just noticed that with this list, it's been bookended with Tia Ballard giving top-notch performances. Is it too late to call 2018 the year of Tia? Maybe it can overlap into 2019. Uh, uh, Tia Ballard, if you're listening to this, hit me up. We can figure this one out. We can figure it out. Anyway, to wrap this up with a show this wonderful, I can safely say that Bloom Into You is my number one favorite anime of 2018. And with that, my top 10 anime of 2018 list has come to an end. Now, on to 2019, as I look forward to seeing what the world of anime will bring me this year. Thanks for listening to the solo podcast, I hope you enjoyed it, and who knows, I might do something like this again in the future. You'll just have to wait and see. I've been your host Mikey, you can find me at my social medias at MikeyShiota on Twitter and MikeyShiota.tumblr.com. Follow the show's Twitter at anime underscore baybay, that's anime underscore b-a-y, b-a-y. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please send them to animebaybaypod at gmail.com. That's animebaybaypod at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Happy 2019, folks. And this has been Anime Baby!
Toko? Yeah. Toko, darling. Quit it.